Hello, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I am your host for this episode, Cody Stoffer, on another edition of Best of the Rest. This week, we are talking cornerbacks because, I mean, this was just one of the deepest positions in all of Colorado football, honestly. And go ahead and listen to our top five corners cornerbacks list for a a surprise because well we did more than five because it was just that loaded and uh you know just a lot of quality in our opinion uh division one talent between simon and i and you know when we had to do six there are some guys who are unfortunately left off that list that's episode 90 by the way for anyone wondering where our top five cornerbacks episode is for the senior class of Colorado, class of 22. And that's episode 90. And on episode 90, we did shout out a few guys here who I'm going to be talking about on this episode today. And so just jumping right into it, and I'm going to talk about the one of our 2A defensive playmaker of the year candidates, class of 22, first team All-State wide receiver slash defensive back cornerback we're talking about specifically today. And that is Giovanni Mendoza out of Valley High School located in Gilcrest. And standing in at 5'10", 140 pounds, this is a lighter player, but a very, very athletic one. You know, Giovanni Mendoza here, he did, like I said, uh, put himself as a candidate for our defensive playmaker of the year on the 2A level, you know, so he had that going for him. And why was he a candidate there? Well, maybe it was the tune of eight interceptions he posted his senior year, which, you know, garnered him a very solid grade of an 8.9 in ball skills, which is almost a direct reflection of how many interceptions he had. Like I said, He posted eight interceptions in what was ultimately a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Well, okay. In a seven game stretch, he either had pass deflections or interceptions. However, he posted all eight of these interceptions in only five games, three of which he posted two interceptions against Alameda, Fort Lupton, and, you know, he had 95 interception return yards in that game and two also against Platte Valley, and his other interceptions coming in a game against Sterling, who, you know, I talked about having a pretty decent quarterback out there, and against Steamboat Springs, who, you know, had a pretty potent air attack this year. So on the 2A level, you know, he was really holding it down as far as, you know, getting those picks and taking them back to the house. He did have three pick sixes, you know, one of those against Steamboat, one against Alameda, and one against Fort Lupton which we could kind of guess because of the 95 interception return yards. But anyways, you know, Giovanni, he does a lot of things right. Part of the reason why he's able to get so many interceptions is he has pretty solid anticipation slash recognition of the play, especially on pass plays. You know, I gave him a 7 out of 10 there. And, you know, I think he showed time and time again that he was able to put himself in the correct position. And he knew how athletic he was and he knew that his verticality was very solid. I mean, like I said, he's five foot ten. That's pretty solid size for a cornerback height wise. But man, he can climb a staircase and get up there against some of the wide receivers that were a bit taller than him. 
And, you know, he found most of this success in zone coverage, you know, where he kind of had a little bit more freedom to roam. Typically, you know, deep cover three looks or, you know, kind of that mid cover two zone a little bit where he just kind of played his, where where he starts the play where he lines up. And so I gave him a 6.6 in zone coverage. I think that his zone coverage is very solid. However, you know, he's not a slouch in man coverage. I, I think that his man-to-man can improve, but I'll get on that later. But, you know, talking about how he can play both, I gave him a 6.2 in versata- uh, versatility. And that just comes from, you know, cornerbacks, they should be able to play man and zone. Not every cornerback on this list is like that or is skilled enough to do that. So that is why, you know, Giovanni earns a pretty solid rating here at a 6.2. And then, you know, I think that his speed is very adequate. He was a threat in, you know, the return game for sure. You know, at uh, at a couple of points during the season, he did have a kickoff return for a touchdown. One against Weld Central and one against the eventual state runners-up, uh, runner-ups in Brush, you know. So, you know, against pretty solid competition he was able to contribute both in special teams and in the defensive aspect of the game. So, you know, once again, kind of speaking on that versatility, he's able to help you out in a couple different facets of the game of football. All of that being said, there are still things that I do want to see from Giovanni here. And first and foremost, his footwork and leverage both need a lot of work. He is standing straight up so much in his film. And I think that this is another reason why they kind of let him play zone more so than man, because he crosses his feet a lot of the time. He gets false steps. He, you know, hesitates with his footwork and he ends up getting flat footed. And so all of those lead to huge problems when you're trying to play man coverage. And same thing with leverage, you know, he just doesn't play very low, especially when he's trying to stick onto a guy's hip. He ends up playing very tall. And this is why we see him in a lot of zone looks, because if you're playing tall and a receiver hits you with a double move, that is going to be some very bad news and ultimately uh, critical when allowing big plays. On that note, too, I think that his hip mobility needs a lot of work. So a lot of it is just technique stuff, honestly. When you look at footwork, hip mobility, and leverage, all of those things are paying attention in the film room and then just working at a lower level. I mean, because once you play lower, you're going to use your footwork better. Your hips are going to be able to move easier. You know, it's a ground up kind of thing. And it all starts with playing significantly lower. I mean, I know he's a great athlete and he was able to rely on that to an extent, but you got to... You got to do a little bit better than that, especially if you're planning to play on the next level. Also, to correct myself, he was first team all conference and he was an all state honorable mention. Just to clear that up and uh, further elaborating, you know, he does have a 4.740 yard dash. So that that justifies my speed rating at like a seven and a half, which is solid, but not, you know, great to speak. Let's see here. Strength and tackling. I gave it a 4.8. I think that he's pretty average as far as contributing in the run game. He doesn't come up and make a lot of plays like some of our top cornerbacks did. But, you know, he did rack up 35 tackles, including one for loss. So it, he contributes and is present. And when he does tackle, I think that he does a pretty good job of aiming for the feet and getting low. But, I mean, it's no different than most other cornerbacks. And it's kind of the bare minimum that you would expect. And so 
All of these things being said here, Giovanni, he has a lot of upside, but he is a very raw prospect. And so, you know, I think that if he wanted to further his, you know, football career, he would go Juco. I think that that's a great time to address his GPA, get that up as well, because that is something that, you know, I think has hindered his recruiting. And just getting a cornerback coach to help him with these technique things, these fundamental things, because he's a great athlete. Honestly, athletically, I think he can contribute on the D2 level. You know, he could put on a little bit of weight for sure, but I mean, he's quick and he's somebody who can, I think, could be an immediate impact on special teams or, you know, you could use him as a slot cornerback, honestly, and I think he'd be pretty all right, but uh, he does need that next level coaching. He does need to get coached up, just period, and just working on those very fundamental technique things is going to go a very long way, but as of right now, I think that he's more of a raw kind of project kind of prospect here, and that lands him, you know, in that D3 Juco immediate outlook for me personally. And that's kind of my summary here on Giovanni Mendoza. And yeah, he's still a stand-up player. Like I said, eight picks. Pretty hard to argue with that production. But ultimately, technique-wise, lots of things to work on. And I'm going to change it up a little bit this episode here. And, you know, kind of talk about two players at a time on these segments. And so on this segment, I am going to be talking about another 2A football player here and his name is jace perez he is a cornerback out of elizabeth high school and you know he's he's another kind of baseball basketball all-around athlete here standing in at six foot 160 pounds and not to mention a 3.725 gpa and uh the captain of the football team which is you know i think has uh kind of a huge weight here for, you know, recruiting him and viewing him as, as a potential prospect, that he could be a leader in that locker room. And he's also a smart student. But let's talk about some things that Jace Perez does well on the field. And I think you have to look at, you know, kind of that clutch gene that he has, you know, in the playoff game against Bayfield, which Elizabeth did emerge victorious in. He recorded three interceptions in what was one of the more potent, you know, passing attacks on the 2A level? Shout out to my guys in Bayfield, but Jace Perez gave them headaches. And part of that was just, you know, solid zone coverage and excellent anticipation and ball skills. You know, I gave his zone coverage a 6.6 here and, or my bad, a 5.8. And I think part of that was just, his ability to kind of roam the field very well. And I mean, they didn't put him in a lot of man-on-man situations, which is where I I dinged him a little bit, similar to Gio here. But, uh, you know, in that zone coverage, he showed that, you know, I think he even has potential to be a pretty solid safety because he doesn't let anyone behind him. And that cover three technique that he has is very, very solid. And even opportunistic, you know, like I said, 7.7 on ball skills, three picks in one playoff game. I mean, there's a time to step up and Jace Perez was the time and he stepped up and, you know, helped lead Elizabeth to a playoff win 
on on this two A level over Bayfield, and you know I think without him they probably don't win that game. And you know his ball skills a little bit come from the fact that he is also a wide receiver. I hope I didn't fail to mention that. And you know his receiving totals, he did have 17 receptions for 197 yards. And over his three-year career, where it looks like he got pretty decent snaps, he posted 719 yards on 48 receptions and eight touchdowns. But we're talking about Jace Perez, the defensive back. And so, like I said, that zone coverage, 5.8. And that's where a lot of his kind of categories fall. You know, versatility, I gave a 5.9 because of his, you know, like I said, I can see him playing safety and excelling at that. His anticipation slash recognition, I gave a 5.8 because I think in the past game, as far as when the ball's in the air, he does a great job of knowing where he needs to be, which is partially ball skills. But, you know, some of these picks are definitely timing where he reads the quarterback and he just knows that he's going to be there or he baits the quarterback, especially in this Bayfield film, to to make the wrong decision and, and pass it to somebody that he thinks is open. But really, Perez just has, with that six-foot you know, height and, you know, that wingspan that he has, he's able to cover a lot of ground at the cornerback position. And so that's how he makes a lot of his plays, in my opinion. Lastly, I think that he has pretty solid speed. I mean, he's a multi-sport athlete and his hit mobility, I also gave a uh, 5.4. So, you know, in a lot of these categories, he's very solid slash average, you know, just as a quick reminder for our listeners yeah, one to three needs improvement. Four to six is average, where the skill is, you know, on a bad day is below average, but above average at the very best. And it'll suffice, And but it can be a problem on the next level. And so I think that you start to see a lot of things that he needs to iron out for the next level. You know, his footwork is terrible. I mean, he's just all over the place. He's crossing his feet all of the time. His freeze frames are super clunky. You know, I think that his footwork, I gave it a 2.8. It is the worst footwork that I've seen, you know, out of these senior cornerbacks that I'm evaluating. And, you know, that may seem pretty harsh and it it is a little harsh, but it's because I know that Jace is a good enough athlete to correct this. And so I'm emphasizing to him to fix his footwork. It is just really hard to watch. You know, and in turn, I think that impacts his leverage because he's six foot and he plays at six foot, you know, quite a bit, which is not where you want to be. The leverage game, he doesn't stick to his man. And he just has a lot of the same kind of issues that Geo does where he needs to play lower. He needs to be more balanced and he needs to work on that agility if he really wants to be an all around player on the next level. Granted, you know, his, you know, versatility does get a little bit of a boost from the fact that, you know, he plays zone coverage so well. But, I mean, there's just a lot left to be seen from Jace Perez. But, you know, at six foot, 160 pounds, also was a pretty solid receiver. It, over the course of his high school career, you know, three picks in that one playoff game. But, you know, in his career, a total of 11 interceptions in three seasons. And not to mention a couple of, you know, fumble recoveries and just having a nose for the ball. You have to love that upside. And, you know, his frame, obviously, I think that you could fill him out to 170 pretty easily. And he maintains a lot of these traits, but he does need the coaching and he just very well might find it. You know, his most recent tweet on January 30th is that he did receive his first 
football offer from Hastings College. That is, you know, over in Nebraska, I know because our friend of the podcast, Jesse Booten, actually played over at Hastings College and had an offer there. So, you know, it is, I, I believe it's D2 or NAIA, uh, somewhere in that range, which I think is appropriate for where Jace is. Obviously, there's a, a lot of upside that they must see in his height frame and just ball skills. And I wonder how they're going to use him. I wouldn't be surprised if they moved him over to wide receiver, but, um, you know, great frame, next level frame, and one that can bulk up. And like I said, a lot of these things are fixable just by getting lower and playing lower. And I think that's something that those coaches over there at Hastings can definitely help out with. I overall gave Jace Perez, you know, uh, just a little bit over a 50, which, you know, doesn't really land you any stars, but I think is worth a flyer on the next level. And if you want to follow Jace on Twitter, he's at Jace, P-E-R, 54003316 on Twitter. And Geo is also on Twitter at Geo 49300846. So, uh, you know, guys, make sure to, in general, just have your first and last name as your Twitter and then maybe throw some numbers on there so that scouts can find you a little bit easier. But that kind of does it for our 2A cornerbacks, best of the rest. Coming up next, we have some Denver guys that we're going to take a look at. Welcome back, Playmakers listeners. And on this episode, we are talking Playmakers Corner, best of the rest series, our cornerbacks. This is episode 119, by the way, recorded on February 24th. And we are going to talk about some players from that kind of Denver area. And we are going to start off at George Washington High School, talking about Avi Friedman, he is the cornerback slash wide receiver standing at 5'7", 148 pounds. And I wasn't able to find his Twitter, so there's that. But, uh, you know, in, in some play this year, he did record 31 tackles in the run game and three interceptions according to Max Preps. But, uh, you know, he does post like every single one of his plays, so there's plenty of film to look at and there's plenty to nitpick. But I will start off with his strengths. I think that he has solid speed. I gave his speed like a 6.9. I don't know what his laser 40 time is, but his in-game speed is pretty good. It's serviceable, I should say. And, you know, I will say that his 35 ta- or 31 tackles, a lot of those are solo tackles, and he does a great job of making tackles in the open field, getting to those knees and those hips. And so for his tackling, I did give it a 6.2, which is the second highest out of the best of the rest candidates here. And... I think that's just because he's willing to play in the run game. A lot of these cornerbacks kind of shy away from the run game. They shy away from contact. And Avi Friedman, or Avi, pardon if I'm saying the name wrong, but Friedman does not shy away, and he does his job. Lastly, I will say that his footwork is, is somewhat solid, as well as his ball skills. He does a good job of getting his hand on the ball, I should say, and, you know, breaking it up when possible. And... Yeah, his, his footwork is pretty pretty smooth, you know, compared to some of these other guys. I did give it a, a five and a half, which is, you know, higher than uh, than the two previous guys who I talked about. 
So there's that. Now, this is the, the part of the show where it gets a little bit tough because, you know, we shoot it straight. That's how we do here on Playmaker's Corner. And Friedman here just, he has a lot to work on. And part of it is I just, I, I know that he gets excited and he has a lot of energy in the game, but I just don't see a killer here. You know, he waits for the play to come to him. And for that, you know, his anticipation and slash recognition, I gave a three. And I think that's the biggest thing holding him back is he backpedals, 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 and then steps forward to make a play. Like a lot of the time, he has to travel so far because he's so far off. You know, there's one play where it's a hitch against Northfield and, you know, it's a quick three yard hitch and he gets there fast because he's a speedy player, mind you. But I mean, what is he doing 15 yards off the ball at the cornerback position? It's just a little confusing to me. And you see this kind of time and time and time and time and time and time again on his film. It could be a scheme thing, but I feel like sometimes coaches scheme to their players and Friedman just plays very, 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 very conservatively. And it kind of hurts him here on the film, you know, where he's not a, really in a position to play bump and run. So that hurts his man-to-man -man and it hurts his leverage. And it just hurts, you know, some of these things. I mean, I still gave his hip mobility a five and a half because he does swivel very well. But <sighs> you just, it's it's football, Right, and football is a very aggressive sport, and I just don't see aggressiveness from Friedman that I think is appropriate on the next level. And you know, I'm not really sure what his plans are. Obviously, you know, this George Washington squad was a was a successful squad. You know, they went seven and three. I I want to say here this past year, and you know, I think that. Obviously, he's a huge part of that, but <sighs> he gets a lot of tackles and playing conservatively helped out in the run game, but I just need to see more from him in the pass game. When he did get opportunities to make a play on the ball, you know, he had some pretty nice interceptions. He uses his hands. He's a wide receiver as well, you know, who put up some, some all right stats, but, uh, you know, he just... There's a lot of production missing here, and it makes it really hard to grade. And I think that it's just not his willingness to really make a play on the ball. I think he's too afraid to make a mistake. And, you know, I can respect where that where that's coming from, but you got to be more aggressive as a cornerback, especially if you're going to play on the next level. And for that, you know, I think that he does have a lot of work and is a Juco or Division III kind of, kind of football player just for the time being. He is a good athlete. He can contribute very well on special teams, I could say, especially, you know, because he does such a good job and is so disciplined. He could be your contained guy on kickoff. And, you know, there's a lot work. You could be in a position where you don't have that and you allow lots of kick returns. And so for that's my biggest sales pitch here for Friedman as a next-level prospect. But ultimately just left a lot of things kind of on the field and... You know, that kind of made it a little bit hard to judge and a little bit unfortunate to to dissect. But, you know, shout out to Friedman and that George Washington squad for everything they accomplished this year. And yeah, all that being said, we are going to, like I said, do things a little bit differently here on this episode and talk about two players per segment. 
and the other one you don't have to travel too far here to talk about. One of the highest rated players here on my best of the rest list, sitting in at almost a three star or two, at bare minimum, two star rating here. Randy Yaboa, the cornerback out of George Washington. No, no, no. Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson High School. Sorry, still on that uh, Friedman thought. But Randy Yaboa here, he is a CSU Pueblo commit. And for good reason. This was an absolute steal, by the way, by CSU Pueblo. He flew very under the radar on this Thomas Jefferson squad, but he is a monster. And let me tell you why. He scored a 9.4 on strength slash tackling, which is higher than even some top five guys. It's the same score as... Well, Caden Rulo only scored a nine, and he was our number one cornerback. So, actually, Randy Yaboa here, I rated him as the strongest cornerback. There are so many plays where he just bullies some poor kid out of the play. And it's not just against no-namers either. You know, he does play press and that bump and run against even Dante Capolongo. I got to watch some of his highlights from that Dakota Ridge game. And I was impressed, you know, this is a 3A squad going up against one of the top 4A squads. And while the game result doesn't reflect Randy's performance, you know, the film does. And Randy had himself a very solid game against that Dakota Ridge squad. And that went a long way while grading him, you know, giving him a 9.2 on leverage. I don't give out nines easy. Well, there are a lot of great cornerbacks this year, but you know, Randy here scored nines in three categories, man-to-man, -man, leverage, and strength slash tackling, mainly the strength part and the leverage because he just does a great job of making the wide receiver go where he wants them to go. Wide receivers don't have a choice on what's happening when Randy lines up across from them, and that's just, he's just like that. He's just really strong and just a force to be reckon with on the defensive side of the ball you know he's six foot 175 pounds and he'll put all 175 plus some into you right off the line and you're not going to get off he pushes wide receivers out of bounds he shoves them to the ground he pushes them all the way in the backfield on play actions and you know will just destroy them morally i mean it's as a receivers coach it's demoralizing to watch randy line up from these receivers and just he's just a grown man amongst kids out there is what it looks like. Like, if my wide receiver was going up against Yaboa, I'd make sure that they hit the weight room every day of the week, and I still wouldn't be sure on the odds of that matchup. All of that being said, you know, man-to-man, -man, very sticky leverage. He does a great job of keeping his hand on that inside hip of the receiver, following them very well. And to further clarify that, you know, I did give him a 7.6 on hip mobility slash fluidity. I think he does a great job of switching directions in turn, you know, his speed helps out with that a little bit. You know, I gave his speed an 8.4. I think he's pretty fast. And, you know, Dante Capolongo, who is the highest rated speed player who I have ever rated once we started using these rubrics, he, he was able to, you know, keep up with him, I should say, for the most part. So, you know, pretty impressive there. And then his ball skills, I gave a 6.8. And this is a tale of, this is, two sides of the same coin here where on one hand he did not get as many interceptions as I would hope more on that here in a second but his ability to punch the ball out oh my gosh 
you know, I it only lists two caused fumbles on his on his max preps, but I swear there is more. He does a great job of getting his hand on the ball and punching it out. And when he punches it out, it's serious. You know, like it flies up in the air just because he does such a great job of getting his hand on the ball and just hitting it with that same strength that, you know, he he plays when he plays bump and run. I'd also say that, you know, his strengths as tackling, it's a 9.4, not only because of his ability to push receivers where he wants, as well as, you know, forcing fumbles, but he's a solid tackler. You know, he's somebody who you don't really have to worry about in the run game, I don't think. And he's a very physical football player and he just loves contact. And, you know, Coach Booten was talking about this on our best of cornerbacks 21 or yeah, our best cornerbacks of 21 that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, when you're recruiting and it comes down to this guy or this guy, and they all do the same things, they're all fast, they're athletic, they play the ball well, they do technique things well, it's who hits harder. And so Randy, you know, probably gets a great opportunity here at CSU Pueblo because he just is a football player to the core. What a dog. Now, obviously, there's some areas of improvement. There's reason that I think he's a two slash, maybe three star kind of guy, but not a four or five star guy. And so that starts with his lowest graded category for me was his footwork, as well as his anticipation slash recognition. I think that he's a very reactive player and his footwork is the reason for that. It takes him a second to get up in the run game. It, you know, when he's not just playing straight up man, which he's a dog at, then he kind of struggles a little bit to read the coverages and he more reads the wide receiver than the actual formation or the player, the quarterback, which is what our best cornerbacks do. You know, those top five guys, they're able to read the play based off of the formation, based off of what the quarterback's doing, based off of this, that, and the other. Versus Randy is more of a reactive kind of player, which is why you still score uh, 4.9, which is, you know, right in the middle of that average window because it's serviceable and it's what's expected of you at the bare minimum. And he does exactly that. But, you know, I think that he gets more interceptions if he's able to anticipate a little bit sooner or recognize faster or recognize pre-snap even. And so further commenting on his ball skills, like I said, I gave it a 6.8, which is very good. However, the thing that prevented this from being basically an eight is he leaves interceptions on the field. You know, I think that there are plenty of opportunities for him to rip the ball away and come away with a pick and he just doesn't do it. And that's going to be kind of a recurring theme here from this point of the episode on for these cornerbacks that, you know, just narrowly missed the top five or I should say top six, you know, cornerbacks in the senior class of Colorado, because look. The playmakers are the ones who force turnovers. And while Yeboah does that, forcing fumbles, he needs to get more interceptions. He needs to work on those hands. I mean, I know that's why he's probably a, a better DB than a wide receiver, but good, great. I mean, he makes some solid catches at wide receiver. So why is he not making those same physical catches on the defensive side of the ball? It kind of left me a little puzzled here. Also, I gave his zone coverage a five just because I believe that he can and he does show glimpses of it, but it's not the most emphasized thing. And I think that part of that is because the anticipation and recognition just isn't quite there. I think that that's a place where zone cornerbacks like Gio and Jace kind of excel is being able to kind of read the field and read different things and then make a play in an interception, which is both why Gio and Jace have more interceptions than Randy. 
but you know what they have in zone coverage and lack in man coverage randy makes up for by being a spectacular man coverage cornerback one of the best in this entire class and so talking about outlook here you know csu pueblo's recruiting class is it's massive okay there's no other way to really chop that up and you know i don't really i can't really tell you what the outlook here is going to be because you know there is one player who we are going to talk about who's also committed there and you know they they had an amazing recruiting class but randy here he's going to get on the field i mean i think he's just too dang talented he's at a high-end d2 i think he's even a potential fringe d1 guy just because of what he can do as a man coverage cornerback, it's really hard to come across that. His frame, I mean, standing in at six foot, 175 pounds, that's pretty close to a pro frame, honestly. And he plays like a pro with that frame in man-to-man coverage. So, I mean, look, watching film, I think, is going to help out a lot with his anticipation and recognition. And just doing lots of footwork drills and working on that is going to be huge for randy heading forward here at csu pueblo and but i mean at the end of the day i'm really excited to see what you know csu pueblo is going to do with him and what he has to contribute to to this squad i mean he's a state champion i don't know if i mentioned that he's a state champion he won that spring title with thomas jefferson and you know i think that his you know physical style of play that kind of sets a tone for other guys in the huddle like Oh man, like think of everything that Yabo is doing here. I need to do that too. And so I think that he could be a leader in the locker room and on the field and ultimately just make a ton of plays for these Thunderwolves here on the next level. But that's all I got for my Denver guys, Friedman and Yaboa out of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, respectively. And congratulations to Randy Yaboa. Uh, if I'm saying your name wrong, by the way, just DM us and let us know. But, uh, you know, shout out to Randy and congratulations to CSU Pueblo for swooping an incredible player here that was just hiding in the uh, 3A levels of Colorado. But all that being said, we're going to jump up to the 5A level and talk about two cornerbacks from the exact same team. If you know, you know, coming up. Last segment here on the Playmakers Corner podcast episode. Shoot, what I'd say, one nineteen. Yeah, episode one nineteen here. Best of the rest cornerbacks we have talked about so far: Giovanni Mendoza out of Valley High School, Chase Perez out of Elizabeth High School. In our first segment, in our second segment, we talked about Avi or Avi Friedman out of George Washington, Randy Yaboa out of Thomas Jefferson, the CSU Pueblo recruit. And speaking of CSU Pueblo commits, I'm going to talk about Michael Hemingway, the 6'2", 175-pound cornerback out of Cherokee Trail High School, who will be staying in state to play for the uh, CSU Pueblo Pack. And so let's unbox some things here about Michael Hemingway's game and what makes him so special. Look, first things first, his speed is a 9.3 because he runs a 442 40-yard dash. He is freaking quick, okay? And there's there's no disputing that. And his speed, you know, ultimately got him a lot of looks. I mean, just looking at some of his offers, 
He did have an offer and an official visit to the University of Northern Colorado. He had an offer to the City College of San Francisco, Snow College, and, you know, obviously CSU Pueblo. You know, the, those Thunderwolves who, who always managed to scoop up some sweet talent on, on the discount, honestly, for being a D2 school. And so, you know, 442, 40-yard dash, 6 foot 2, 170 pounds. I mean, that's a next level frame and speed. You know, for what that's even borderline NFL uh, frame and speed. And you get that on the D2 level in Mike, Michael Hemingway. That is fantastic. Now, let's talk about some things from his Cherokee Trail days that are now behind him. But, you know, a very good secondary here at Cherokee Trail between Michael and this next player. But Michael Hemingway, look, he has solid anticipation slash recognition, you know, in the past game. A lot of his interceptions come from just breaking on the ball very, very well. And what I mean by that is, you know, like, like hook routes, hitch routes. It's something that the offense tries to do to establish a rhythm, which is cool and all, but uh, it's really hard to get away with with Michael Hemingway in the picture just because he's so quick. And, you know, I gave his footwork a 7.4, actually. Talk about anticipation at 6.7 and his footwork at a 7.4. It's because he's able to see the play and he reads the play. You know, he's able to kind of do a little bit of a pre-snap thing and read the play and go up and, you know, make a break on the ball all of a sudden because, you know, his footwork is just very explosive. You know, he's able to pop off of that back foot very, very quickly. And, you know, when he breaks on the ball, he doesn't take a false step. And that's something that a lot of cornerbacks can easily, easily make a mistake doing. And so those things combined with the speed, that led to three interceptions on the year for Michael Hemingway. And, you know, just setting up, you know, Cherokee Trail in very good positions, honestly, because he would make these breaks on the ball, like I said, on primarily hitch routes. And, you know, that's usually a drive starter kind of rhythm getter. And he would just shut that down and, uh, you know, make him pay for it. Speaking on that, you know, I think that if his, his footwork being good, which is, you know, opposite of the trend that we've seen from all these other, you know, cornerbacks, speaking more on that, his hip fluidity is also very solid. I gave it a 7.3 and think that he just does a great job of moving with receivers as they go up and down the field. And on that note, you know, I think that his leverage is somewhat serviceable at a 5.2 and his ability to move his hips, you know, and switch directions very fast allows him to be a very solid man-to-man -man coverage corner at a 6.3 out of 10 ratings. So, you know, a lot of these upper ratings, they fall in that three-star, four-star. The speed is a five-star trait, absolutely. And, you know, I think that's why he was getting looks from some of these you know, like, like a D1 school, like UNC and whatnot. And, you know, I think that he just has a lot of athletic upside. Not to mention that, you know, he does dabble in the run game. He did contribute uh, 20 tackles on the season. And part of that, once again, is just his speed. He was able to catch, you know, what would be a touchdown play. He was able to catch those kind of plays from behind. He did it to Seth Cromwell and I believe also Tyree Trusty in you know that columbine game for his two tackles i mean they were touchdown saving tackles i'm not sure if columbine ended up scoring later on those drives between the tackles and whatnot but you know you have a guy that can save touchdowns by chasing down pretty solid running backs pretty fast running backs 
then that's great for any defense to have that kind of home run prevention or that security blanket. And he's able to take great angles to the ball. And I think that overall his technique as far as chasing down ball carriers is very, very solid. And his speed is accentuates that, obviously. Now, talking about some things that I think Mr. Hemingway here can do better, and that is the same thing that makes him great as far as his aggressiveness in man-to-man -man coverage and his leverage is the same big, big issue that I see. And I just think that he's way too physical. Like, I love me a physical cornerback, but he does commit pass interference in his film. There's no doubt about that. I even saw one that did get flagged. And I think that maybe he just loses track of the ball. And so, you know, his ball skills, while he does make some interceptions, I did give it a five and a half because there's plenty of room for improvement. He does drop interceptions and he leaves a lot of them on the field. I think that he could have turned some into pick sixes if he was really on his stuff. But yeah, I, I just think that he leaves a lot of interceptions on the field and he commits, he does commit pass interference. He's way too aggressive of a cornerback. And so I think that you can kind of address that through footwork and hip mobility. Speed is not the problem, but I definitely think that, you know, discipline is something that Michael can focus on here to improve his game as a cornerback. And God, just catch the ball. Honestly, he should, he should have had multiple pick sixes this year. Like, I mean, like three or four just because he's so fast and he breaks on the ball and he just leaves some some picks on the field. And he doesn't have very strong hands. He's not able to really rip away an interception from a receiver. And that's, that's a little frustrating to watch as well. In addition, I didn't really see him counter or have to go up against double moves very often in his film. And so that's kind of a huge question mark for me. And that led to his zone coverage being kind of a low rating at a 4.8 just because I don't know if he loses the ball or loses the receiver if he's not looking directly at them in man coverage. But there are just some concerns there for, you know, why is he not able to turn more of these passes into picks? And, you know, what happens when he starts playing a really deep zone is a little bit of the question. Not to mention, there's one play on this film where, you know, the, the play is going on for a little long and his makeup speed saves his butt. Because he's like all the way up by where the offensive line is. And this wide receiver is running free down the left sideline. And if the quarterback didn't have pressure in his face, that would have been a touchdown. Michael recognizes this and he sprints back and gets back in time. But, bro, that's a touchdown. You can't be letting that happen. And so I think that he just has to do a lot of work in the film room to, to get right and get ready for that next level. And talking about outlook... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he does get on the field as a, as a true freshman, just with his speed, size, and frame. And I also wouldn't be surprised if they just work on his hands and maybe turn him into a receiver, honestly, just because of that speed. But, you know, I think that there's plenty of room for growth for him as a defensive back. And I think that he could be a three-year starter at this program at cornerback for CSU Pueblo. And... Yeah, I don't know. There's just just coaching stuff, honestly. Uh, that's something where, you know, high school coaches, they don't get a ton of time to coach individual cornerbacks. But if you look at the difference between him and the guys who did make our top five list, a lot of it's just discipline and being more aware of the play as it's happening. 
Uh, like I said, he does he does show great anticipation and recognition on those like hitch routes, and he does read the play before, but he needs to be able to do that against other routes is basically where I'm at with Michael Hemingway. And if you caught a little bit earlier, I did say like his teammate who we're going to talk about next. And this is the guy who I was, oh, I was rolling in my grave. Uh, I don't know what other way to say it. I was struggling to leave him off this list. I, I was like, ah, oh, let's make it a top seven, three-way tie for five. But we couldn't do that. We only allow ourselves one list of six per year. And we use it on cornerbacks, and it's a strict six. We cannot go past that. And so the guy on the outside, very outside looking in, I talked about him a lot on that episode 90, and that is Evan Harrell out of Cherokee Trail High School, standing in at 5'10", 170 pounds, and is also a bit of a speedster himself. And so... You know, looking at his Twitter, I don't know if he has offers, but, uh, you know, he is an All-State Honorable Mention, a first-team All-League defensive back, and, uh, you know, runs a 4-5-6 40-yard dash, so he's pretty quick. And, you know, I did give his speed an 8.6, but he does a lot of the fundamental things very, very well. Evan Harrell, he's the most fundamentally sound cornerback on this list. That's why I saved him for last, because... I mean, look, he's got an eight and a half in hip mobility, which is higher than some of our, you know, top five cornerbacks. And, you know, he's got an 8.8 in man-to-man just because he's really sticky. He has an 8.9 in leverage. He understands leverage better than any other player. You look at his film, you will see just how low he plays all of the time. And, you know, he over-exaggerates his stance at the beginning of the play. And I think that that's a very, very smart cornerback thing to do and technique thing to do because no matter what, once you correct, you're only correcting so much to stand back up. And so he doesn't stand up very, like, much taller, if that makes sense. So it's like an overcorrection of being super low before the play starts so that, you know, as when he does, quote-unquote, stand up for the play, he's not standing straight up. And so that allows him to keep his hand on a hip of a wide receiver at all times. And he just matches up very well with a lot of wide receivers. He doesn't really let them get that inside leverage. You know, if they're trying to fight inside, if they're going outside of him, he does a great job of kind of pushing them towards the sideline. So they just have less room to catch. He's just a very smart cornerback with a lot of, you know, phenomenal, I'll say, athletic attributes, as well as just overall discipline and things that you look for. I mean, his footwork is a 6.9, you know, which is very solid. He does cross his feet sometimes, or he ends up being stalled on a foot. But with his hip mobility being able to flip really easily, his footwork helps him do that significantly. His anticipation slash recognition of the play, I swear he does a great job of reading the formation, reading the cornerback. And I think that you know, part of that obviously comes from our boy who's up at CSU now, Elijah Graham, you know, who put us on to to Evan Harrell and made sure he's like, hey, this guy's going to be an impact player and might be a top five guy for you. And I mean, he was right. This this cornerback class was just really, really loaded, honestly, here in Colorado, this class of 22. And, you know, if it wasn't so stacked, I mean, you look at last year, I think that Evan Harrell makes a makes this list no questions asked honestly 
So, you know, he's got that going for him. And, you know, like I said, it's just a huge part of reading formations before, having solid footwork, very fluid hips, very, very fluid hips, solid speed, and just being a very sticky, leveraged man-to-man -man coverage. I also think that he is our best zone coverer out of the best of the rest guys who we've talked about. I graded him at a 7.6 just because, you know, he stays disciplined and he plays his zone properly. There are post wheel routes and in wheel routes, you know, kind of meshes that try and throw him off balance. There's an in comeback route that tries to throw him off and he does it. He stays disciplined and he knows exactly what part of the field he's supposed to play and he makes a play on the ball and he either gets a deflection or I believe he actually gets an interception on one of the wheel routes. And, you know, that is one of one interception that he had all year. And so I'm going to go ahead and address that now and talk about some areas of improvement. Look, Evan, you didn't do yourself any favors by dropping all of those interceptions. I know that I don't need to say it because he knows it. But a huge reason why Evan Harrell doesn't make this list is because basically every guy on that top five list um, they look like a receiver when they go for the ball. And some of them even do play some receiver, to be fair. And Evan just, he leaves a lot of interceptions on the ground, man. It's, oh, as, as a wide receivers coach, it's hard to watch. Even though I know he's a DB, I'm like, oh, catch the dang ball. You know, I hate drops more than anything else. Even if it's a defensive player dropping the ball, I'm just like, oh, what the heck is going on? And so, you know, that's very frustrating. I know he's frustrated. But just don't overthink it. I mean, you start moving all of these body parts all kind of crazy. You kind of like, ah, you like twitch or whatever. And it's just catch the ball and just make a play. It's just football, you know? Yeah, I can tell you're a football player. So just play football. Make a pick. Make a play. Take it to the house. Relax, my guy. Quit overthinking it. And so I think, you know, once he dropped one, it kind of like got in his head. And from there is like, oh, I think it's a mental thing. I don't think that he has butterfingers. I don't think he's been diagnosed with popcorn hands, but man, he has got to turn these batted passes and these jumped balls into interceptions. Oh my Lord. I, I can't stress it enough. It's just catch the ball, just catch the ball, just catch the ball. And I know that you know that I'm sorry to be on your case so much about it, but that is the difference between, you know, that's, that's the difference between, you know, like a power five kind of cornerback and, you know, a division two cornerback even. So, but continuing on, I also think that he could be more aggressive in the run game. I think that he makes a lot of like cross the field tackles in the run game or he waits for the run to come to him. And so, you know, I give him a 4.2 on strength slash tackling. He doesn't really bump receivers off their routes too much. And he does what you'd expect a cornerback to, to accomplish in the tackling game. So that's why I give him 4.2. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's a cornerback. He'll dive at the feet when the ball comes to him. But uh, maybe more of a cover guy. And so, you know, I think with his size, frame, and all of the abilities and technique things that he does well, I think that he does, you know, flirt with a little bit of versatility here. I think that he could be an excellent, excellent slot cornerback, as well as playing on... The outside, you know, I think that his size is very complementary to really either of those styles. And I think that, you know, that, that there's plenty of opportunities for him to make plays on the next level. And so talking about the next level, you know, and what his outlook is, like I said, I'm on, I see his Twitter 
and I see his highlights, I don't see if he's posted any offers. But when I look through some guys who who follow him, you know, there is, you know, obviously Elijah Graham, he goes to CSU. He was a walk-on, preferred walk-on kind of guy. There's an assistant coach at Chadron State who's following him. And, you know, I, I think that there are there are guys who are interested, you know, American River College. He's, you know, uh, looking at, or he at least follows, I should say, Evan Harrell. Then you have some some other guys, uh, running back coach at Butte Football, who, who's a program coordinator. You have a strength and conditioning linebackers coach at East Los Angeles College. So I think that San Diego Mesa College, there's an assistant. There's a lot of guys who do follow him and are aware of him. And it's just going to take somebody taking a shot on him or him taking a shot on himself. Look, with the op- or with some of these followings, unless there's offer things that I don't know, I think that going JUCO is a great route for you because, honestly, you're going to get there. You might have to redshirt your, your freshman year. That's whatever. But after you ball out one season, people are going to notice. And you're going to be able to go to a D2 Honestly, I think that he could be as high as a D1 prospect. I have him rated as as a 70.2, which is like a solid two-star. And I think that he has three-star upside if he starts intercepting the ball. I literally think that if he made like four or five more interceptions, which he was in position to make, he's in the 80s. And that's an easy three-star recruit. So, you know, take a bet on yourself, take a chance on yourself, and do your time in JUCO. And then go play Division One football because, god dang it, if you're not a Division One talent, then what you are. Okay, look, that's that's the moral of the story. You are Division One talent, so go put yourself in a position where you can play Division One football and tear it up. I have full belief in you, Evan. And uh, yeah, just uh, turning those intercept or turning those uh, pass deflections into interceptions—that's a big thing from me. All that being said, once again, on this episode 119, best of the rest, we had Giovanni Mendoza out of Valley High School, Jace Perez out of Elizabeth High School. Congratulations, Jace, for your offer to Hastings. We have Avi Friedman out of George Washington High School, Randy Yaboa out of Thomas Jefferson High School. Congratulations on your commitment to CSU Pueblo. And I'm going to second that. Congratulations to Michael Hemingway, who is also committed to CSU Pueblo. And lastly, but not least, Evan Harrell on our best of the rest cornerbacks. And so if you want to listen to the original cornerback episode, once again, that is episode 90. You can listen to these episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, or basically anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Make sure to subscribe or follow us on any of those podcast platforms so you get notifications whenever we release new episodes. We have tons of content spanning from more requests and best of the rest episodes featuring Mason Austin and myself talking about guys who just narrowly missed out on our top five list and doing film breakdowns of them as well as Coach V and sometimes myself talking about women's flag football on the NAIA level. There are 13 programs. We do power rankings from week to week, talk about some of the best players, do a playmaker of the week, and do reactions to some of the plays and games. So make sure to tune in for those anywhere you listen to podcasts or watch them live on twitch.playmakerscorner.tv or something like that. Just find look at Playmakers Corner on Twitch. 
for videos on our streams, mainly women's flag football, but occasionally film breakdowns and stuff like that. We also post those streams to YouTube, so go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube at Playmakers Corner. You can find all of this information on any of our social medias, being Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, as well as TikTok, where we post more video contents, where we make videos about these best of the rest guys and the top five guys and promote our episodes. So once again, follow us, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, you name it, we're probably on it. So thank you so much for all your support. And thank you to all these best of the rest players for putting out your film for me to watch and grade. And until next time, I have been your host, Cody Stoffer, and peace.